We thank God for this morning once again as he has brought us together for fellowship, to worship him in song, and even to worship him in giving and in hearing his word. It is a joy indeed when the Lord, to know that the Lord has given us his word, that we do not speculate about the things of the Lord, but that we can go into his word and know what the will of God is and know what the will of God is in terms of what he desires for us, in terms of what he desires for us as the church, as believers, and as the people in the world. Amen. Let me say once again, I'm very encouraged by your love for one another. I'm very encouraged by the way you express love for one another. And um, with that, I'd like even to say that uh, to David and more blessing, uh, happy anniversary. Uh, may God bless you even more. May God increase you. May God strengthen you in your marriage and give you even more years to celebrate with us as the church family. We, we thank God for these things as we see God um, working in our lives. And, and I pray that may we increase as the church in our unity, in our love for one another. May we increase in, in, in the way we relate with one another. Even as we look at um, the, the, the Beatitudes, these Christ-like attitudes, we, as we go through this Christ-like attitude, we, we see the heart of God in, uh, 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 in regards to his children, what he wants his children to, to look like, what he wants them to be, his, his blessing upon them. Amen. So I just want us to go once again and look at uh, uh, the Beatitude in Matthew chapter 5. And I'm just going to read verse 9. Today we, we're, looking at the, we, we, we're looking at the peacemakers. Verse 9, we, we've been reading uh, uh, from verse 1 every, every Sunday um, to, 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 to the verse that we're focusing on. But I'm just going to read verse 9 for the sake of time. And, and, and we are going to pray um, and we're going to continue with the word of God. And may, the word of God, may, may, may God bless the reading of his word as we go through it. This is the word of God. Let us hear him. Verse 9, it says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called their, they shall be called sons of God. They shall be called sons of God. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that we can come to you and hear your word. We thank you that you are the one who speaks to us through your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. May you use, Father, um, even these words, O oh Lord, um, to, 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 um, to work in our hearts, to work in our minds, and to, to, to increase us in, in our love for you, our love for your ways, and to, to shape and sharpen us, shape our characters, shape our... Uh, our lives, oh God, grow our faith, um, even as we hear your word, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, and the church say amen. You see, um, the, the presence of Christians in the world must show a different attitude from that of people around us. And let me say this personally, your presence as a Christian must testify of your identity in Christ. The life of a Christian, by definition, is the living evidence of the redemptive work of God. It, it, it shows what God has done. 
a Christian in the world stands as a testimony of the beauty of the transforming power of the gospel. Amen? Are we, do we agree with this? That as a Christian before the world, you are a testimony of what God has done, uh, what God can do in a sinner's life, how God can transform a sinner. When we, we look at Peter and John, um, when they went up to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and they, they went up to Jerusalem and, and preached the gospel, what resulted from that was the fact that they were, they were apprehended, they were arrested uh, because they preached the gospel by the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. And they were brought in for questioning as to why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you preaching in, in this name? And as they answer these questions, as they answer the questions from, from, from the Sadducees, from the priest and the captain of the temple, um, Luke makes a comment in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 of what they thought of Peter and John. When they looked at Peter and John, this is what they thought, according to Luke. He says in, in, chapter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated. Common men. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do you see that? The last sentence must cause us to pause and, and to think about it even deeper. When they saw Peter and John, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. My goodness. The, their lives were so transformed uh, and, and, and they had an aroma of Jesus. They, they spoke like Jesus. They, they reasoned like Jesus. They, 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 they were bold to stand for the truth like Jesus. You, you could not miss the fact that these people had been with Jesus. This is not unique to the apostles. As Christians, our lives must show that we are totally influenced by the presence of Christ in our lives. Our lives must testify that we have been with Jesus. One area in which this is displayed is when we are peacemakers. It's when we are peacemakers. Jesus, in his description of what characterizes those who are truly his disciples, continues to say in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for, for they shall be called sons of God. The peacemakers shall be called sons of God. This beatitude, this beatitude logically follows the previous one of the pure in heart. They are closely linked together. Uh, look at the testimony of scripture with regards to this point of, of, of um, how, how uh, purity of heart connects with 
being a peacemaker. James, describing the wisdom uh, 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 from above, says in James chapter 3, verse 17, but wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Wisdom is first pure, then peaceable. And, and the, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 14, he says this in chapter 12, verse 14, strive for peace, right? Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness is purity, right? Uh, so he says strive for peace and he connects it with what? With holiness. So these are closely linked. And so Jesus links both purity of heart and, and being a peacemaker. The peacemakers are, are, are by, by conclusion, those who are pure in heart. And considering verse 9, I want us to pay special attention to two things. The call to be peacemakers and God's declaration of the peacemakers or God's affirmation of the peacemakers. Let us look at the call to be peacemakers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, the word peacemaker obviously is a combination of the noun peace and the verb maker, right? To be making, to make. It is a word that speaks of action, of actively making peace. The, the ancient Greek writers point out that the word was used of ambassadors commissioned to negotiate peace with alienated parties, a task which called for enterprise and, and effort. In other words, their task was to bring these two parties that were otherwise hostile towards each other and reconcile them in peace. And therefore, they were called peacemakers. The question that, when we, when we hear this, is, is why is there need for peace? Why is it necessary that we become peacemakers? Why is there need for, for peace? Well, it doesn't take a genius to observe that we live in a world where peace is clearly absent. Paul writes to the Romans, diagnosing the human condition by quoting several Old Testament passages. In, 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 in Romans chapter 3, uh, starting from verse 10, he says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of, of asps is under their lips. Their mouths is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. And listen to this last line. And the way of peace they have not known. The way of peace they have not known. Again, uh, uh, when, when, when Paul writes to, 
Titus, he reminds him that we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray, slaves to various passions and, and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. And listen to the last words, hated by others and hating one another. Nothing has changed. Sin has broken our peace with God and one another. Nothing has changed. King Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse uh, 29, makes a profound observation of humanity in relation to God. He says this. He says, see, this I found, that God made man upright. He, he made man righteous. He made man holy. But they have sought out many schemes. These words echo what we see from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation chapter 21. You see, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see creation in its perfection. We see man in his perfection. Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation 21, we see the entrance of sin. The effects of sin. How sin has destroyed the world. In Revelation 22, we see how God restores that. You see, when humanity decided to turn away from the ways of God to follow their own ways, the results were catastrophic. Disobedience opened up the gate of sin. Adam and Eve, before sin, before sin entered the world, through their disobedience to God, were living in harmony with God and with one another. But notice the effects of sin. I'm just going to mention a few. Um, sin destroyed the harmony in marriage. Sin destroyed the harmony in marriage. There was a reversal of roles. Because of sin, God says that the woman will try to take her husband's leadership. And the husband, instead of le leading in love, he becomes a dictator. The harmony in marriage is destroyed. There are so many young people today who from the outside look at marriage. And whether by observing their parents or by observing other people, and they see this brokenness and opt rather not to get married. Sin not only, it not only turned marriage upside down, but it also destroyed families. We see what happens next after Adam and Eve. They are children. Cain murders his brother in cold blood. His own flesh and blood. Even though sometimes in our day, it might not be to this extreme. It happens, but not as often as it does. But there are many families. I mean, you can even testify. There are many families that are torn apart, where, where there's animosity between siblings who spend years without even talking to one another, who spend years angry and, and bitter, bitter at the way their parents raised them, bitter at the way their parents favored another one and not them, and this 
is, this shows how sin has affected families. And as you follow the, the narrative of the, of the Bible concerning humanity, you continue to see the effects of sin. You continue to see murders, rape, enmity, injustice, slavery, racism, and hatred. You, you continue to see these things that have destroyed, that, that have destroyed humanity because of disobedience. How sin entered the world and destroyed this peace that we had with God and with one another. The most important thing that we need to know is that God wants us to be peacemakers. And I agree with, with uh, John MacArthur when he says this. He says, we do not have economic peace, religious peace, racial peace, social peace, family peace, or personal peace. There seems to be no end to marches, to sit-ins, to rallies, protests, demonstrations, riots, and wars. Disagreements and conflicts are the order of the day. No day has had more need for peace than our own. Our own needs peace. So it is in this situation that God sends his spiritual peace community, us. Spiritual peace community. I'd like to call it that. The peacemakers that Jesus speaks of. The most important thing about peacemakers is that they have experienced the peace of God. That's where it starts. You cannot be this peacemaker that Jesus is talking about if you have not experienced peace with God. It is out of this experience that we are able to pursue and extend peace with other uh, people, other fellow human beings. These peacemakers that Jesus is referring to are those who have, been, who have believed and trusted in him. We, we must understand that before Christ, we were enemies of God. We were, we were hostile to God. We were haters of God. But God, in his love, drew us to himself. God was the innocent party, but he reached out to us. In Romans chapter, I mean, Paul, before that, Paul uh, uh, says that God called you to peace in 1 Corinthians 7 verse uh, 15. And again in Romans chapter 5 verse 10, he says, It is while we were enemies that we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And so, having experienced this, this peace, we are able to extend it. We are able to make peace with others as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 19, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see this? God has entrusted to us this ministry of reconciliation where we call people to be reconciled 
to God. How then do we make peace? How then do we make peace? I don't want to be abstract here. I'd like to, to refrain from, from being abstract. I want to, to be more practical. There are many ways I can mention. But for, in, for the interest of, of time, I just want to mention two practical ways. Two practical ways we, we can be, we can make peace. Listen to this. First, the first practical way to make peace, very practical, know the enemy. Know the enemy. Although we are peacemakers, we are also those who are waging war. I see how that raised heads, eh? <laughs> we are peacemakers on the other hand. But on the other hand, we are at war. The most important thing for soldiers that are in war is to know who they are at war with. It, it would help to, to, to know so that you don't shoot everyone that you meet. Right? Not everyone is an enemy. <laughs> there's the enemy and there's the one you protect. So it is important to establish who the enemy is. So who is the enemy? Who is your enemy? The Bible gives us that answer. And it doesn't give us the expected answer. It says, your enemy is sin. Your enemy is the flesh. And your enemy is Satan. These are the enemies. When Cain was angry at his brother, in Genesis chapter 4, we are told that the Lord said to him, I think it's verse 5, the Lord, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? Listen to these words. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule it. God is saying to Cain, sin wants to control you. Sin wants to take over in your life, but you must fight against it. You must rule it. But Cain allowed sin to control him, and he ended up killing his brother. What does that mean? How, how does that apply? You see, if we understand this principle, we could avoid many unnecessary conflicts and breakdown of relationships. It is in understanding that the enemy is not my husband or, or my wife. The enemy is not my mother-in-law. The enemy is not my fellow Christian, is not my neighbor, but the enemy, the true enemy is sin. It is in understanding that, that the enemy is not my boss. Even though my boss does whatever he does, but he is not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. 
establish the enemy first so that we can target our weapons at the right enemy. There will be provocations, yes. You will be provoked. People will do things that will make you angry. Your husband or your wife, your children will say things that are insensitive, but they are not the enemy. Sinful anger will only cause more harm than good. James says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not achieve the righteousness of God in James chapter 1 verse 20. This should be the case also in church. We are not the enemy. We are brothers and sisters. We are to be marked by peace in the way we relate to one another. You see, contention and conflict in the church is conduct not fitting for Christians. It is, it is not concerned with the glory of God, but with self. The source of contention and conflict cannot be God, but it is Satan who is the enemy of peace. Satan is the enemy of peace. Listen to the words of Thomas Watson, what he says about this. He says, it is Satan who kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts and stands and warms himself in the fire. Do you see that picture? That Satan enjoys when there's confusion, when there's contention, when there's disagreements, when there's disunity. It is him who kindles this fire, and he does not only kindle it, but he stands and warms himself at the fire. When men's spirits begin to bluster and storm, the devil has conjured up these winds. Discords and animosities among Christians bring their godliness much into question. It brings our Christianity, our godliness into, into question. Are we really Christian? If all we do is contend, contend with one another, if we bring discords, disagreements, disunity, are we really Christians? Do we have the Holy Spirit of peace? This is why when Paul heard about the conflict in Philippi between two Christians, he says to them in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, I entreat Judea and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Let these women, these women who are Christians, who, who have worked with me, I entreat them to agree in the Lord. One of the ways that we diffuse conflicts is by remembering where our unity lies. Who is the source of our unity? We are not united because of our nationality. We're not united because of our skin color. We're not united because we speak a certain language. We're united because we are saved by grace 
through faith in Christ. That is the source of our unity. Christ and Christ alone. Any other thing is nothing but Christ is all that we need. Didn't we sing that in Christ alone? The presence of contentions, disorders, the absence of peace hinders spiritual growth. We cannot grow as a church. We cannot grow as believers. Paul makes this argument in, in first, I mean Peter makes this argument in first Peter chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. He says that those who long for the pure spiritual milk to grow up in salvation are those who have, uh, who have put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. They have put away all those things. These things cannot live in the same heart of a person who wants to grow as a Christian. You cannot grow as a Christian if you are also causing contention. You cannot grow. So it is very important that we know who the enemy is before we wage war. Our war is against sin, the flesh, and the devil, and not against people. Our war is not against our family. I'm going to repeat. Maybe you should repeat with me. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. Not your neighbor. Not your boss. Not your children. Your enemy is sin, the flesh, and Satan. Not only must we know the enemy, but the second way to pursue peace is by restraining the tongue. Very practical. Restraining the tongue. Restraining the tongue. See, if we learn this principle of restraining the tongue, much conflict and contention around us would be diffused. James speaks about the danger of an unrestrained tongue, and he, he, likes an, he likens it to a small fire that is able to set the whole forest ablaze. In South Africa, we, we are well aware of the dangers of fire, right? We have seen so many times what fire can do. A small spark of fire can destroy the whole forest and can kill the animals in the forest. A small spark of fire can destroy houses in Naisna, in Cape Town, in Kyalicha. We have seen that. We have seen how fire is able to destroy. In the same way, one word, one word spoken carelessly can destroy harmony. It can destroy harmony in marriage. It can end friendships. It can make a workplace a sour place to be in. It can bring war between countries one stupid tweet from trump 
That is why the psalmist prays to God, saying in, in, in Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. It would be helpful to pray this. And it would be helpful before saying anything to ask yourself, is this helpful? Is it kind? Does it edify? Before you say anything, ask yourself, is this helpful? Is it kind? Does it edify? Sometimes even speak, be, be, even before you speak, stop yourself and ask, is what I'm about to say worth it? James gives a practical command in, in, in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In other words, listen more and speak less. And let me quote you, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, in, in length. On this point, he says this. He says, one of the best ways of being a peacemaker is that you just learn not to speak. When, for example, something is said to you and the temptation is to reply, do not do it. Not only that, do not repeat things when you know they are going to harm, when, they know, when you know they are going to do harm. You are not a true friend when you tell your friend something unkind that was said about him by, someone, by somebody else. It does not help. It is false friendship. Moreover, apart from anything else, unworthy and unkind things are not worth repeating. We must control our tongues and our, and our lips. The peacemaker is a person who does not say things. He often feels like saying them, but for the sake of peace, he does not. The natural man is so strong in us. You often hear Christians say, say I must express my mind. But if everybody were like that, but what if everybody were like that? No, you must not excuse yourself or, or talk in terms of what you are by nature. As Christians, we are, you are meant to be a new man. You are, you are made after the image of the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. One of the things in, in making peace is to know when not to speak. When not to speak. These two principles that are mentioned, they sound simple, right? They sound simple. But make no mistake, they are not simplistic. We need to take them into consideration. If we are to be peacemakers, we should, we should ask God's grace to grow in those two areas. Know the enemy and restrain the tongue. Know the enemy and restrain the tongue because Jesus Christ says, Blessed are the peacemakers. These ones who make peace 
are the ones who have the smile of God. To show that they have the smile of God, we see the second thing. We see God's affirmation, the affirmation on the peacemakers. It says, blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. For they shall be sons of God. See, the words shall be, shall be called, are in the future continuous passive tense. Which means that this identity will be forever, we will be forever known by. This is the identity we will be forever known by. As sons of God or, or children of God. This is an affirmation of our identity. And this affirmation is twofold. Let me describe it in this way. First, it is an affirmation from the world. We are peacemakers in the world. Invariably, we must leave an impression that we have been with the Prince of Peace. Our lives become a testimony that Christ is living in us, that the God of peace is our God. See, it, it is very sad when you hear people in the world attaching the word hypocrite to the word Christian. Very sad. They do that because they see a different thing. Those who profess Christ are often in their eyes those who are, who, whose words are unkind, who, who are unloving, who are hostile and, and rude. Who, who, who say things that hurt and things that... I, I'm not talking about addressing sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sinfulness from Christians in their speech, in their actions, that they bring the name of Christ into disrepute. It is about time that our lives as Christians be characterized by peace. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God and on the day of visitation. They may see that you are peacemakers, that you are indeed the faith of peace. I don't want to say the religion of peace. The faith of peace. Isn't it ironic that Islam says we are the, 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 the religion of peace, but they are the ones who do what? Suicide bombings? Killings? Christianity is not a religion that progresses by the sword. We are to be peacemakers. We are to be like Christ. These Christ-like attitudes are not entertainment. 
that we hear every Sunday. They are to be implanted in us. They are to be shown. We are to display them in the way we live, in the way we, we walk, in the way we relate to one another, the way we relate to the world. That when the world looks at us, they may affirm what God has done in our lives and say, these have been with Jesus. Not only is, an affirmation from, is that affirmation from the world, but ultimately, ultimately, supremely, it's an affirmation from God. It delights the heart of God when we reflect his character in our lives, when our lives display his redemptive work. You know a proud father looking at his son playing soccer, son running about a score and he's screaming on the top of his lungs, that is my son. Goodness. This affirmation is even greater. It's more beautiful. It's more supreme. To, to, to hear God saying, this is my son, this is my child, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. That affirmation from heaven when we enter heaven on that last day and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. To know that God affirms us as his children. That God from heaven looks at us and says, these peacemakers, these, these ones who are ministers of reconciliation are my children. God rejoices. In those who are Christ-like, God rejoices in those who want to be like Christ, who are pursuing Christ in the way they act, in the way they speak, in the way they relate to people. John MacArthur notes that any parent worthy of the name loves his children more than he loves his life and immeasurably more than all of his possessions together. God loves his children today as he loved Israel of old, as the apple of his eye. The Hebrew expression, apple of the eye, referred to the cornea, the, the, the most exposed and sensitive part of the eye. The part we are most careful to protect. That is, that is what God's children are to him. Those whom he is most sensitive about and, and, and most desires to, to protect. The apple of his eye. To attack God's children is to poke a ringer in God's eye. Offense against Christians is offense against God because they are his own his very own children and to, to prove this point I'm, I'm thinking about Acts chapter 9 remember when Paul that time when he was Saul and he was breathing threats against Christians 
And he, he got uh, 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 warrants to, to go to Damascus to arrest more Christians and to bring them to, to, to Jerusalem. And as he was going, the Bible tells us that there was, there was light that shone and Paul fell from, from his horse, right? And what did Jesus say to him? Paul, why are you persecuting me? He was not going after Jesus physically. He was not uh, 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 making his war with, with Jesus, but he was making his war with what? Christians, right? But Jesus says, doesn't say, why are you persecuting my children? But he says, why are you persecuting me? God loves us. And affirms us. What Christ has done in our lives through his death, burial, resurrection, was to redeem us from lawless deeds, to redeem us from our hatred for God, our hatred for one another. So that we can be peacemakers and ministers of, re of reconciliation. May this be displayed in our lives. And may we cry out to God to build these characters in us. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word speaks to us. Give us ears, O oh God, to hear not only to hear, but to receive joyously. Not only to receive, but to act according to your word. Lord, work in our hearts, even as uh, we start the week. We pray, Father, that these things that we hear will continue to be in our, in our minds, in our hearts, as we meditate upon them and seek to display them in our lives so that we know who the enemy is. We, we know how to restrain our tongues. Because you say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, amen.